This is Window on the East, a podcast from BNE IntelliNews. Subscribe at bne.eu. Hello and welcome to Window on the East with me, Ben Aris, the editor of BNE IntelliNews. The Russian stock market has been range-bound for most of the last four years, but just this year the market seems to have started to recover. The RTS index broke above 1,400 for the first time in about five years, and companies are reporting increasingly strong returns and paying some of the highest dividends in the world. Sanction fears seem to be fading, and some are asking if this is a new dawn for Russian equities. I talked to Jakob Grappengeiser, who runs the Russia Fund for East Capital, about what's going on. So, Jacob, really good to talk to you again. Um, the Russian market now is back to over 1,400, the RTS, and the last time it saw that level was in, in January 2014. In other words, pre-Crimea, pre-sanctions regime. Um, and yet, I, I don't know, uh, you look at the various sectors, they're, they're all up between 25 30% this year. Uh, the RTS itself has returned around 30% this year. Um, but I, I don't think we would go as far as to say there's like a, a boom, even though the Russian market's the second best performing in the world after Greece, I think. Uh, what, what's your take on this? I mean, has Russian equities taken off after like a four-year hiatus? Or is this just some sort of correction catch-up? Well, partially, I think it is a catch-up trade after we saw uh, the relatively severe hit on sanctions, both on the ruble and the stock market last year. So companies in general were still doing quite okay and, and delivering results and, and growing profits throughout 2018. But but clearly, you know, with, with the hit on the market and the ruble, you didn't really see that in the overall aggregated performance numbers. Um, hence, I think what you have seen during 2019 is is really just a bit of a normalization. Um, instead of speaking about more sanctions on Russia, you're speaking about, you know, a bit of sanctions fatigue. I, uh, you know, no more sanctions coming out. Um, and I think just this pause in geopolitics or geopolitical noise uh, gave investors the opportunity to, to simply look at the numbers. And I think once they start to look at the numbers, they realize that some of these companies, um, the highest quality ones, you know, were just trading at too low valuations and they were too attractive to be ignored. And this is why you're seeing the likes of, for example, Sparebank and, and X5, you know, the largest bank in Russia and the largest food retail in Russia, both up around 50% year to date. How is that, though? Because, I mean, we've seen X5 in, in 2018, I think, had a catch-up and the stock price doubled. And some other names um, have been up like 50%, 60% or more. And yet the, the index overall has really not climbed. It's been stuck between sort of 900 and 1300 for the last 14 uh, last four years. And, and now it's climbed up to, to 1400 But it, it suggests to me that it's really selected names that are moving and the overall market, the bulk of the companies are staying fairly stationary. Is, is that right? Or are we sort of cherry picking here? Well, I think truth is probably somewhere in between. Um, our thesis going into 2019 was that you would, you know, 2018 was the year of the Russian 
oil companies. Why? Well, because you had oil prices on a relatively high level and, and sort of going up in the middle of the year. Um, at the same time, you had the ruble weakening because of sanctions, and this led to Russian oil companies decreasing their cost base in dollars, right, because the ruble was weak and increasing their revenue size because the, the price per barrel went up. So for the Russian oil companies, 2018 was clearly their year. Uh, but um, you also saw performance spread of around 60, 70 percentage points, meaning that oil companies did significantly better or 60, 70 percentage points better than your X5, Spare Bank, etc., your typical consumer companies. So there's also a bit of a catch-up trade, I think, for the, for the consumer companies to do this year. Um, if you take a slightly longer-term perspective, well, I, I would probably put it this way, that um, the, uh, the high-quality companies in Russia, they were not cheap five years ago, uh, but they became cheaper and cheaper uh, along the way. Um, and if you look at the risk level for the market as measured by the, by the five-year CDS, the five-year CDS is now at 1.1%, which is the lowest level in the past 10 years. Uh, but the valuation, even though many companies are up quite a bit um, on aggregate for these kind of you know highest quality companies, is, is P7. So that's that's up a little bit, but you know that's still among the lowest levels we have seen for the past ten years for these type of companies. So yeah, to, you know to answer your question, if it's if it's about selected companies or not, no, I think it's overall for the markets. But of course, you know selected companies have outperformed significantly this year. That is. That is correct. Um, and this year, you, and I mean, finally, you yeah, oh, go sorry. on, please. We'll go on. Finally. Yeah, finally, I, I think in a way, the, the elephant in the room is probably Gazprom. Uh, and mm. if you look in the first quarter of this year, we saw the, um, you know, the, 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 the consumer companies kind of cashing up. In the second quarter, it was all about Gazprom. So Gazprom was up. Uh, 65% in the second quarter. Um, we can speak, speak more about that, but I think that was signaling that it's you know uh, not only the private companies, but possibly also there is some change among the state-owned companies, and and this this is probably more important factor for the market perhaps than just your your natural kind of organic growth. Well, let's talk about that one because that really was um, a revolutionary change. Um, the I think it was in May the company increased its dividends twice in a week um, to whatever it was, 16 rubles 0.6, which was a doubling of it. And I talked to one trader. They said that previously Gazprom was like investing into a bond in so much as it paid out the same 8 rubles every year as a dividend and it never changed you know, whether the company did well or badly. Um, but now the Ministry of Finance has been pushing everybody to pay their 50% of profits as dividends. And although a lot of companies have resisted, um, it seems that that's actually happening, that the Ministry of Finance is getting its way. Uh, and this, for the investor, is a significant difference. I mean, the dividend yields now have gone up to the point where equity dividend yields are higher than those on bonds. And... Does this represent a, I mean, is the Ministry of Finance in charge? It's actually telling these enormously powerful and autonomous companies what to do and they're having to do it. Isn't this a complete different mindset to how things used to be run? That's correct. I remember I once asked 
Siluan of the Minister of Finance um, about his influence versus the manager of state-owned companies. This was perhaps three, four years ago. And, and he was telling me pretty directly that, you know, well, you know, there are certain companies that I, you know, I, I have limited influence over. Uh, and clearly those companies would be um, run by managers probably connected to the very top. Uh, and this was the reason why, you know, he he could <laughs> he could only push them so much, even though the state was a majority owner of those companies, and they were formerly then under the Ministry of Finance. Mm, what changed now is that the um, uh, de facto Siloanov won against Miller, uh, i.e., that he was able to force Gazprom to pay out a higher dividend. The trade-off was that he would not increase the mineral extraction tax in the second half of the year. Um, but there is probably something more behind it. There was, this is probably an indication of a larger shift in how Gastrom is being run. We've also seen the CFO being replaced, um, and we have seen the company uh, officially commenting on that they want to take over their contractors uh, and I think that this last piece is perhaps the most important because the problem with Gazprom was always that um, uh, they were making a lot of money in terms of cash flow and EBITDA, but they were spending all of that money every year in form of investments. And that, those investments were probably done relatively inefficiently, um, and they were done by a number of, of relatively well-known contractors. Um, so taking over those contractors would mean that they actually can credibly focus on efficiency, incredibly cutting their capex and hence increasing the free cash flow, which would then be the, the source of dividends for the company. So I do think that there is some transformational change in Gazprom. Having said that, it's probably going to take some time before we, mm -hmm. we see this playing out to the full extent. But the signals so far have been um, very encouraging. Um, just a comment on the dividend. So I cannot remember actually throughout my investment history in Russia for the past 20 years that a board in such a large company has changed a dividend proposal. It is unheard of, um, just to put things into perspective. You mean the, the twice in a week? Because I saw that as the board said the dividend, you know, they, they gave a bit of ground, they increased it a bit, and then the same week it looks like Minfin came back and said that's not good enough, you know, you, you need to do more, and they were forced to come out with a second proposal. And the stock went up, what is it, 30% in the next 24 hours, 48 hours after that announcement. That is correct, yes. But also more thinking is thinking it down, because the, the way it works in Russia is that... Um, an AGM can only vote yes or no to a dividend proposal coming from the board. So this is the kind of official route. So when the board has given their proposal, you you know de facto that this would be your dividend. And in this case, it wasn't changed, which again, I never heard of that before. To be look to be optimistic, um, the Russia, if you remember, in 2016. Um, was in a really bad place and and Selyanov was short of two trillion rubles and they ended up doing that that full uh, privatization of Rosneft for the the 19% to come up with the missing money 
Uh, and since then, they've been busily building this fiscal fortress, and there's been a revolution in, in the tax service. Um, tax receipts are up by 20%. And at the same time, there seems to be some sort of crackdown on corruption and waste. Um, and then you've got the whole May degree um, program, the, the, the National Projects program, where they have to come up with whatever it is, an extra two trillion rubles a year of spending. And to me, it all looks like that there's a concerted effort now by the Kremlin to, in effect, do some of the deep structural reforms and to better uh, use the, the money available to the state. And this is manifest in the, um, in, in the, the order for the dividends uh, to be hiked to 50% of profit because this is you know, a, a source of revenue. But the key is to make it stick. I mean, w would you say that the, the government now is not living, and at the same time, the, the average oil prices have come down. So they have to make use of their lessened resources more efficiently. But this, this all would be a huge change in mindset at the Kremlin, that they're trying to actually do something about corruption. They're trying to impose some corporate governance so that the companies do do what they're told by the owner, a.k.a. the state. Or am I being like, overly optimistic? No, I, I, to me, the uh, <clears throat> litmus test was was Gazprom. And we saw a number of companies coming out after Gazprom, for example, VTB, saying that, well, of course, we will pay 50% of our net profit in, in dividends um, because they they realized where the wind is blowing. So it's almost better to be proactive and, 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 and change yourself instead of Siloanov knocking on the door and saying, hey, give us your 50% of profit in the form of dividends. Now you are seen as a um, good state manager impressing the leadership of the country by proposing these things yourself. Um, hence, I wouldn't call them irreversible, but I think it's highly unlikely that we go back to the old regime, which was when the state-owned I mean, managers of state-owned companies were more powerful than the Minister of Finance, which I really think was the case a couple of years ago. Now the balance of power shifted, and I don't think you will be able to shift this back again. But Siljanov is... He, he gets all his power from where the Kremlin sits on these issues. Um, he hasn't engineered this himself, has he? I mean, doesn't this mean there's a mind change uh, at the top uh, about how the country needs to be run? Well, the initial proposal that state-owned companies should pay 50%, it came some five years ago from Areshkin, who is now Minister of Economic Development. So then the idea is not new, but the problem has been the implementation for the past five years. And uh, I think in some, some years, the uh, Ministry of Finance were not particularly successful in, in enforcing the 50%. So yes, um, it is correct that the nod was given from the Kremlin. Um, that state-owned companies shall be paying 50% and Gazprom in particular. Why they were giving that nod, to be honest, I don't really know. There are different theories, but it's unclear. Mm -hmm. Maybe Miller will leave at some point and he wants to leave, um, you know, on, on a good note. Maybe some insiders are buying Gazprom shares for themselves. We just don't know. Mm -hmm. Um, to come back to the international the market briefly, um, you said earlier that oil and gas was the big winner last year. The big winner this year seems to be the utilities sector, which has been soaring. Year to date, it's up something like 40%. Well, what's going on there? Is there to do with what exactly? 
Well, I think, again, it's on the same note, right? So we are seeing corporate governance de facto improving in state-owned companies led by Gazprom. And I think the utilities are also feeling where the wind is blowing and they are also then starting to, you know, improve um, their dividend policies, approach to the market, etc. I really think that's, uh, you know, just part of a, of a larger trend. And isn't there a reform that was delayed or postponed in 2008 that's now being put back online that's having an effect? That's a longer discussion, and I don't <laughs> think that that's the main explanation. I really think that it's now it's more just a selected signals that corporate governance is improving. Mm-hmm. Uh, in terms of larger sector reform and profitability of the sector, I think that's yet to be seen. And as a last question, East Capital, um, when you set up way back in the day, um, the focus was on consumers and uh, the, the Russian emerging middle class story. Um, how, however, um, we've had now six years of stagnant real income growth. I mean, has that changed your focus? Are you still like keen on those companies? Um, and some, like you said, uh, X5 has done very well. But um, that whole consumer emerging middle class story seems to have gone a bit flat in the last five years or so. Yeah, I think that on a macro level, that is absolutely correct. On a stock level, if you pick the right stocks, they've been doing extremely well. So I think it's still a good theme to, to capitalize on. Um, if you look on the portfolio currently, we still have this theme, but I wouldn't say that it's the, the only one. Um, if you look on, for example, infrastructure investments in Russia, the government will spend, what, 26 trillion rubles uh, during six years. So this is around 3.5% of GDP per year. Um, so can you know, get any exposure to that, for example, with a, with a Russian steel company you know, producing steel for new bridges that will be built? Um, that might not be a bad theme, and that company will be paying you a 14% dividend yield on the way, right? So. Mm-hmm. I think we are, you know, looking at a number of themes today in Russia, and we are probably a slightly more broad portfolio than we used to have. And your prognosis going forward? Um, I mean, if this uh, huge spending program kicks in and it's off to a very slow start, then um, we'll see GDP numbers start to pick up. We'll see hopefully incomes start to pick up and all these new drivers coming into the economy. Um, and again, part of the program is specifically to grow faster than the global economy. It's something over 3%. I mean, do, do you think that's all going to happen? I think the problem is going to be in the implementation. These are huge investment programs, and uh, unfortunately, it's not going to be easy to deploy that amount of money. Uh, you know, do, you really, do you even have those type of road construction, bridge construction, airport construction companies in Russia. I don't think um, that is necessarily the case. So I think it will be challenging to, to implement all of this, but, but certainly part of it will be implemented. Uh, I also think that infrastructure, you know, part of the roads, airports, railroads, I mean, they clearly are in need of uh, <laughs> a bit of a refreshment, uh, fixing, yeah, so, um, you know, I, I think part of these things are also overdue. Will this lead to higher GDP? Yes. Will it lead to higher income for the average family? Probably no. Uh, you know, some of the social programs might, but 
just because into infrastructure, invest into infrastructure, you know, the, the average family will not will not have more in their pockets. So I would say that you know for the average consumer, the the picture is a bit mixed. I also think that consumer loans and um, the relatively high interest rates on those consumer loans is is a bit worrying uh, for for probably the average family in Russia and uh, whatever household in Russia. Um, but for the for the aggregate GDP numbers, yes, infrastructure will will probably push them upwards. So it's the same old Russia story that it continues to make progress and just sort of muddles through, but it never really takes off and booms. It just continues to slowly get better. I think 2019-20, yes. Um, 2021-22, we might see a bit of a pickup and growth driven them by these large projects. But, you know, we haven't really seen which projects will happen, how they will be executed. So it's difficult to see huge projects kind of contributing to GDP this and next year. Jacob, thank you very much for taking the time. It was uh, fascinating as always. Thank you very much.